Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. Robocalls, imposter scams, ID theft, call blocking. What are all these terms? What do they mean for you? And what is our federal government doing to help us to avoid scams and getting ripped off? Well, we're going to talk about all those things. My guest is Nat Wood. He's the Director of Consumer and Business Education at the Federal Trade Commission. Nat, it's so nice to have you on the program. It's great to be here, Shirley. Now, let's just talk a little bit. First off, Federal Trade Commission is there to protect us against all of these consumer scams. Your division in particular works on education and trying to prevent them. Is that would that be correct? That's and right. Business. And I see you've expanded it to business now. That's right. It's our job to help regular people uh, avoid fraud and scams and have better experiences as consumers and to help businesses comply with consumer protection law mm-hmm. and be protected from frauds and scams. Oh, yes, because target they're businesses. targeted. They're targeted yeah. a lot. Uh, I think at one point it was estimated that one out of three scams was targeting a small business who can often not afford to lose it any more than we individuals can. So, yeah, it's a it's, big problem. It's a problem. Yes, it is. Okay, let's let's start on the one that everybody hates, robocalls. Now, I just read something that AT&T had blocked something like six and a half billion robocalls. And I mean, that's incredible, but that's only the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? That's right. You know, most people can just look at their own call logs or, or imagine the calls that they get in a day to be pretty frustrating. Um, so it's a huge problem. Um, we've been working a lot with the Federal Communications Commission, our sister agency, um, and the technology industry to come up with better solutions. Uh, one of the things we've done at the FTC is we sponsored technology challenges to... Well, you ins- sponsored the Nomo Robo. That's right. right? Nomo Robo was one of the winners of mm-hmm. our technology challenge mm-hmm. a few years ago, and now it's a growing call blocking company. Yeah, I, I interviewed the guy who started Nomo Robo, but that's only for voice over internet protocol. Is that correct? If you're using the internet or has that expanded now? What's happening with a lot of these services, it's they're expanding and getting better. You mentioned the, the service, Haya, that works with AT&T. Mm-hmm. They blocked six and a half billion calls last year. And, you know, the services are getting better and better. Uh, personally, I downloaded one of these apps a few years ago, and it was a third-party app, not car- by one of the carriers, um, and it didn't really work that well. So I've downloaded one recently through my carrier, and they work so much better now. And, okay, you know, they good. flag certain calls. They'll actually send calls that they believe are scams directly to your voicemail, so you don't have to have that ring at all. Mm-hmm. To your voicemail? That's right. Why do you want it to go to your voicemail? Well, some of them they have controls, so you can choose to to you know Just not have it, it at all. Block it, but, period. But yeah. a lot of people would like the comfort of being able to see that there's something uh, that they didn't really miss an important that they didn't really phone miss call. Any, something yeah. that's exactly right. I'd rather answer the phone, frankly. I mean, other than you know. I've been letting a lot of them go be blocked and and go to voicemail or mm-hmm. or just sure. often they just go away. Makes if they sense. get voicemail, they stop leaving Makes a message. Sense. Well, do you think now? First off, let's define robocalls for our listeners. I mean, I think we, probably most of us know what it is, but tell us how they work and where are they coming from. So, robocalls are placed by an auto dialer, a machine, or or computer software that is making. Uh, Wait a minute! You mean that's not really Rachel calling me? That's right. It's not, not my really credit Rachel. card. Oh my goodness! We, okay, we, we, we've actually sued several companies that were um, 
placing calls from Rachel from Card Services, but we haven't met Rachel yet. Oh, good grief. She's infamous. What can I say? Although Heather's been calling me lately. No, I'm not trying to make light of this because it is an absolute pain, right? Right. So please continue. I'm sorry. So, so the, the robocalls are placed by auto dialers or some sort of software that automates the process of placing the calls. They can place thousands and thousands per minute. Um, and then there's often a call center at the other end, sometimes in the U.S., sometimes somewhere else, very often outside the U.S., um, where if you press one or indicate in another way that you're interested in whatever the offer is, you get transferred to someone in the call center, and they try to sell you something, even if that offer up front isn't necessarily that that's what they're going to do. What they're going to sell, exactly. Yeah. Now, so these calls are coming from all over the world. That's right. These people don't have to abide by our – well, they, sh- they don't abide by our laws – They have no compulsion in doing what they're doing. That's right. And that's uh, one of the places where the National Do Not Call Registry still comes in. You know, people are always letting us know, you know, the the National Do Not Call Registry doesn't stop these calls. And it really is not effective in stopping robocalls. But what it does is it gives you an indication that someone who is calling you when your number is on the registry is almost certainly a scammer. They're a crook. You know what? People call me and I'll answer the phone and I'll say to them, I know you're a crook because you're not supposed to be calling me because I'm on the Do Not Call Registry. That's right. That's right. And a lot of people do that. I automatically know that. And I've had service companies here in the Washington, D.C. area, and and they're not supposed to call me either, right? Aren't they all, when they're making telemarketing calls, supposed to go and check the do not call list? That's right. If they're making a telemarketing sales call, they have to check the They have to check the list. And so I, I tell them, I said, look, do you realize you're breaking federal law? And then I report them. That's great. And that's a great thing to do. You can report them at FTC.gov slash complaint. the problem is with the number spoofing here, you don't know who you're reporting, actually, do you? That's right. So it, it can be really tough to track these companies down or these bad guys. And why it's part so of the hard reason, for you all. That's right. Part of the reason is that you can't trust what's on caller ID. You know, they've been very effective at exactly what you said, spoofing the numbers. So they can make it seem like a call is coming from your own neighborhood, even your own phone. Um, and regardless of what caller ID says, you know, you, you, you can't trust it. Yeah, you have to be very careful. And they, they use these spoofers to change that number. It can even say it's your bank. I mean, they can use your bank's phone number, right? They can use almost any almost number. Almost anything. They, they, they can they, make it They want to, to work very hard to use a number that you're going to answer. So that's why they want to make it seem like it's somebody in your area. What do they call it? Community? The community uh, calls? Community spoofing or neighborhood mm-hmm. spoofing scams. Where they're pretending to be in your neighborhood. Oh, yeah, that happens all the time. Other times I will just see, like I got one this morning and it was just from, um, it said a city. It was, I think, from said Alabama. I'm not picking on you, Alabama. I'm sure it wasn't from Alabama. It was right. probably from somewhere across the I, I get them the from my area code and exchange all the time. Oh, yeah, I do too. One of the things that's coming that's going to be very helpful about this but isn't here yet is the next step in call blocking, which will be caller authentication, which is the telecom companies are working on this so that when a call comes through to you, it will be verified through the system that it's actually calling. That it's from a the, real number. That, that's right. That, that yeah. they actually have the right to that number. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I find that if you try calling these numbers back, what I usually do is I'll block my call, my phone number by dialing star six, seven, and then dial the number back 
And it almost invariably is it's not in service. Sometimes it's not in service. Unfortunately, sometimes scammers will even use numbers that are real numbers somewhere else. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, it it is an interesting and perplexing problem. And I think you all have been creative. And you just recently, I know, had something um, on robocalls and and ways that you're working with industry to, to find solutions. So, you know. Keep on it. Keep on it because we really do get so annoyed at these things. Well, Let's it, just take a break here, Nat, and let our listeners know they're tuned in to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Nat Wood. He is the Director of Consumer and Business Education at the Federal Trade Commission. And we're talking about some of those things that really affect you, your telephone, the scams, and the what we haven't even gotten into, the, the imposter scams. This is your grandson calling. I'm in need, you know. I'm in Paris and my I was robbed. There's that, but there's more than that, isn't there? Yeah, unfortunately, we're swimming in a sea of imposter scams these days. It's very easy because of the internet and, and other types of technology for people to pretend to be someone they're not to try to steal your money or your information that they can then either sell or use themselves to steal money. Mm-hmm. And they, they pretend to be the IRS. They pretend to be the Federal Trade Commission. They pretend to be any agency that they, or anybody that they think they the consumer will respond to. That's right. We've seen in the last couple of years a huge wave of calls where people are pretending to be with the IRS, uh, actually working mm-hmm. with the, the uh, Treasury Department and other agencies. They've tracked a lot of those back to India and call centers in India. At one point, uh, there were raids and some of the call centers were shut down. And we saw a huge drop in the neighborhood of, of 80% or more in the number of IRS imposter scams at that time. But then they what happens right is these scammers are, are like cockroaches. They scurry to another rock mm-hmm. and they, they start to place the calls. Do you find else. that other governments are interested in working with, with you all in trying to resolve these problems? It can be a wildly different response uh, around the the, the world. And so uh, we were very heartened by the uh, partnership with the Indian authorities and Mm -hmm. and that we really – that was really a productive relationship. You Mm -hmm. know, in some parts of the world, you know, you don't get much cooperation You don't get that kind of response. Now, for example, I kept – for a time there, I kept getting these calls that they were from Microsoft and there was something wrong with my computer. Well, I decided one day just to stay on the line with this person and just to see what they wanted, and I played along with them. They wanted me to set it up so they could have access to my computer. That's right, and if they do that, they can play software on your machine that will allow them to take over, that will allow them to access your information Well, they can make it part of a bot, which is a whole series of computers that are used to send out emails to generate all kinds of mischief in the world. We call those tech support scams, and they can start with a call. Somebody saying that that there's a problem has been detected on your machine. It can start with a pop-up on your Mm -hmm. screen, Mm -hmm. um, and they work as hard as they can to make it seem like it's real security Mm -hmm. software. Um, But you really shouldn't be turning over your control your your computer. What I do is I talk. I don't ever, ever let them near my computer. But a lot of times, too, I just say, I'm sorry, I don't have a computer. What are you talking about? What's a computer? Well, you're an expert, so we'll say that's okay. But our advice to people is – don't even talk to them. Don't even talk Just to them. Don't, well, don't, I want to know the, what the they're doing they're on, so the I, can they warn, can I can warn our listeners and our viewers about what's going on. So I kind of feel like I almost have to sometimes, but I don't give any information away. No, absolutely. Please and nothing. Don't. Absolutely nothing. And I'm extremely stupid. You realize that. I don't think so at all. When yeah. I'm on the air, <laughs> when I'm on the phone with them. Uh, because, I mean, it's interesting. And then I always end up telling them, I said, 
I start laughing and I say, I know you're a crook. And the longer I've kept you on here, it keep you from defrauding somebody right. else. You know, the one thing that does happen with that is occasionally, rarely, but it's really helpful when it happens. People working for these scammers realize they're doing something that's not a legitimate job and they'll actually give us information. Oh, really? Yeah. Wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. That would be a change. Uh-huh. And again, the other thing people can do is report it to us. If they report it, right. ftc.gov slash complaint. Absolutely. We do use that information and we share it with other law enforcement mm-hmm. agencies around the country mm-hmm. and around the world. Well, you know, I always tell people, e- even if it's not going to solve your current problem, report it because it gives you a profile of what's happening. And I, the numbers I'm not sure about because the ability to track those made up numbers is probably – very difficult. To well, put one it of the things that we've been doing is we've been sharing the information that people report to us about unwanted calls with the companies that have call blocking apps. Mm-hmm. So they can use that to make the they apps better it. so they can oh, more quickly lovely. block some of those numbers. Lovely. Do you, on your website, are you telling consumers how to look for apps and all that sort of stuff? I mean, you have to we be are. careful what you put on your phone. In, in fact, if you go to ftc.gov slash calls, you can find some graphics that explain really what to think about. The first thing you want to think about is what type of phone you have. Mm-hmm. If you have a, a mobile phone, the best solution is going to be to download an app. And, and I would say start with the apps that are affiliated with your carriers. They're more mm-hmm. likely to be free, and most mm-hmm. of us want something that's free. Sure. If you have a landline, uh, you may need to buy a device and spend a little bit of money for something mm-hmm. that you attach to your phone at home. Uh, and if you have an internet phone – um, you know, through uh, Comcast or Verizon or somebody like that, um, they may have apps or services that you can them, turn on that online. you can use. Yeah. Well, it's it's an it's a perplexing problem. Um, now, how often do these types of calls lead to identity theft? I know they're trying to get financial information. They're trying to get access to your computer. Does identity theft a product of some of this, or is that more the product of the hacking that we read about? It's both. And it's really hard to quantify exactly how much identity theft comes from data breaches, where they steal a lot of information from a company that has it. They they hack in and steal it all at once, or from stealing information from people one-on-one from phishing scams and imposter scams and just lying to people to get their information. Mm-hmm. So both things certainly can lead to identity theft. And and what happens is they take that stolen information and they post it on what's called the dark web, parts of the internet that aren't indexed by big mm-hmm. search engines, and they swap it and trade it. And it can be used by, by identity thieves who may be different from the people that originally stole the information. Now, I hear some saying, "Do you are you is your information on the dark web? Is it safe to use a service to tell you that? Yeah, there's definitely not going to be any problem in using a monitoring service to check if your information is out there. Um, they will find some information that's out there and others, you know, may not be as visible to them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have been affected by a data breach and someone's offering you a service like that for free, take it's it. a good idea to take it. Sure. People can make their own decisions about whether or not it's valuable enough to spend their own money on. Right, Exactly. Um, well, and, and in terms of uh, identity theft, I think one of the things that consumers need to make sure they do is to take advantage of the free credit reports they're entitled to. They're entitled to one each year, am I right, from right. each of the, the cre- major credit bureaus, and that does not affect your credit rating. People say to me, well, surely if I go get all these credit reports, does that affect my credit score? And it does not. It has no impact on it. That's right. It, 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 a Checking your own credit report or checking your credit report through a service or getting your 
free credit report from each of the major mm-hmm. services through annualcreditreport.com isn't going to hurt your credit no. score. And That's people are different afraid of that. from a credit inquiry right. checking to see if you have enough uh, creditworthiness to mm-hmm. take out a new loan or something. Sure. And when you're trying to to see, when you're trying to get a loan, that's right. That's a different thing. And if you apply like six places, that may have an impact because it may look at you as thinking, oh my goodness, that person really needs some cash here and maybe we should take right. a look at them and, and whatnot. Okay. Let's just uh, uh, take a brief pause here to let our listeners know they're tuned into Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Nat Wood. He is the Director of Consumer and Business Education at the Federal Trade Commission. And we're talking about all kinds of things that affect you, the consumer, and what the Federal Trade Commission is doing to to help prevent those crimes and to educate consumers. And I think education is such an important part of what you do, Nat. I, obviously, that gets a big headline in the title of your job. That's right. And there's things that we offer that people can use to help them stay informed about scams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to ftc.gov slash scams, you can sign up for our scam alerts and get emails into your uh, mailbox that explain the things that we're seeing through our the reports that people mm-hmm. make to us and that partners like Call for Action are telling us our problems out in the world. Sure. And uh, it's a good way to Stay informed and share information in your neighborhood. Absolutely. Looking into your crystal ball, do you see things coming down the pike that we're going to have to be aware of? I think technology is is our friend and our enemy in many ways. That's right. It's sort of an arms race with scammers. They're always looking for ways to take advantage of new technology or new ways of doing business. Really, anything that's in the news, they're going to be out there saying, you know, give to us. You know, we're doing a lot of looking at uh, charity scams and those types of fraud mm-hmm. where people take advantage of a natural disaster or oh, something. And, they're terrible. That's right. And set up, you know, a fake website or a fake account to try to get donations. Um, yeah, the, I think that kind of thing, the, 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 technolo- the technology aspect of it, I love my technology, but I think consumers also have to be learn to be a little bit more reticent about the information they're willing to give up. Um, my concerns are a lot of privacy concerns and you know, I don't want you to know that I was driving down the road and went to a certain restaurant. I mean, you know, I mean, but yet we're tracked all the time for things like that. There's all sorts of tracking that happens automatically. There's also the times when people ask you for your information. Mm-hmm. And really, anytime someone is asking for your information, whether you're signing up for a new app or service online or you're, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about making a purchase, you want to think, do I know who's behind this? Can I trust them? What's the indicator that they're going to protect my information? I know that in the past there's been lots of talk about opting in to get information or how can I opt out. And I sometimes think that it's harder it's hard for consumers to opt out of all of these things because once you plow through the privacy statements, you're not quite sure what you've just read. I mean, do, and there's some real benefits to, to sharing information too. I mean, people of course. like to it, be it able to make purchases quickly. It gives you more information quickly. on the things you want to know about. I That's right. absolutely totally agree. But I think consumers need to have a little bit more control and thoughtfulness. That's in, right. Both. In what they're doing, give it giving it some thought. Okay, let's go back to this whole business of robocalls and talking a little bit more about the Do Not Call Registry and explaining to consumers. What it really means. I mean, I joined it, I think, the day you opened it. Um, and I've, I found that it made a remarkable difference in telemarketing calls, but that were 
That was telemarketing calls from legitimate companies. That's right. Legitimate telemarketers access the information mm-hmm. on the registry and the vast majority of them will not place calls to those numbers. So right. it is effective at stopping um, calls from legitimate telemarketing sales mm-hmm. organizations. So scammers don't. Scammers don't pay any attention to the national do not call registry. The people behind all of these robocalls that we were talking about don't care about it. So it still is worthwhile to put your number on the registry so you can understand that the calls you're getting are likely to be from scammers. And, and both crooks. your cell phone and your landline if you have a landline. That's right. You yeah, can put both, both on there. Both of them on But there. I would certainly these days also recommend looking into call blocking technology, whether that's an app on your mobile sure. phone or a device. And, that, and that's getting better and better all the time. So you just need to keep up on what's going on. That's you, right. They're, yeah. they're actually very impressive these days and very effective and getting more so. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, in in terms of the, the, the technology and its use, I – I, I mean, there's so many developments and it goes so fast that you can't really keep up with what in the world is going on. I mean, every time I look around, there's a new tablet, new phone, there's a new process, there's new something new. It's really, it's exciting. And your most important protection tool is still what's between your ears. That's you, right. You, you know, That's you, right. you, you got to think about, think about is it worth it? where your information is going. You know, it can be really appealing to sign up for. Well, one new- of the things that we hear about, too, are fake websites. And you mentioned this in terms of charity scams, but it's not just scare- charity scams. websites will set themselves up and they'll have one slight difference in it to the well-known company. And that's particularly true of the charity scams. Um, We've we've heard a lot about those, those kinds of frauds. And it's whack-a-mole for the, for the hosting companies that run the, the internet Mm -hmm. space for the app stores, you know, they're Mm -hmm. constantly trying to take scammers out and scammers are constantly trying to get in. So that's why, you can never count on that. Those third parties. You got to be thinking also. What do I know? Exactly. And, and do a little research sometimes. Exactly. Okay. Any last words? We've got a couple of more minutes here that you want to share with our. The the website is ftc.gov, right? That's right. I go to ftc.gov. You can click on the you can uh, get all consumer kinds of information. Good information. We've got lots that can be shared. If people want to order print publications to share in their neighborhood, they can do that. We make those available for free. It's a great idea to sign up for our consumer blog posts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that includes our scam alerts uh, and those subscriptions. You know, it's it's a free service of the government. You should take advantage of it. Uh, the information is very concise and to the point, and people tell us it's very helpful. Yeah. Well, you know, and and you're talking about signing up. I hate, you know, I get so many emails, as you might imagine, doing what I do. People will send me and they'll say, I've subscribed. I haven't subscribed. They tell me I have to unsubscribe to get off their mailing list. I find yeah. that highly annoying. <laughs> and that's your you're you're right. The Can Spam Act is is the law that that uh, means that email marketers have to give you that option to, to opt out. But yeah. they've already spammed me because I didn't sign up in the first place. Oh well, you have to opt out. How can I opt out of something I haven't opted in? But you know that's my own little personal complaint here. But at any rate, I, I do think it's really important that consumers read and know about scams because the more you know, the better equipped you are to deal with it and you're not going to be hit with it. And, you know, when the when the grandparents scams started happening, people were falling for these because they sounded so convincing. And, and you know, a lot of people have grandchildren that travel all over the world, especially in the summertime. They may be a college kid. They lose something and Grandma, I am in Paris. That's I've been right. robbed. And the scammers are very skilled at what they do. Oh, yeah. They're not just kind of winging it. They they think about how to set up these 
premises so that someone feels rushed. They want to mm-hmm. make you feel rushed. They mm-hmm. want to make you feel afraid, and they want to make you feel like you got to act urgently. That's like why if you don't help me, Grandma, I'm they're going to lock me up. That's right. I'm going so, to be locked. You'll never see me again. But it's it's why it's important to recognize that as a warning sign of a scam right. and take a break. You know, I can't tell you how many people have said take a deep they've breath. avoided something just by calling another relative or mm-hmm. calling the person mm-hmm. who claimed Confirming to be calling it. Confirming and learning it. that there's not really a problem. And if you call. And you don't get a response right away. They might just be out. So, you know, just check around a little hang bit more. On. Hang on. Nat, it has been so great to see you. Thank you so much. We have worked together for many, many years, and we're very pleased at the things that you all are doing at the Federal Trade Commission. You've been Thank listening you. to Off Consuming Interest. My guest has been Nat Wood. He's the Director of Consumer and Business Education at the Federal Trade Commission. You've been listening to us right here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. If you want to get in touch with me, it's Shirley at callforaction.org. Shirley at callforaction.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP.